0: Thank you. Okay, so I guess we're all ready, yes. so I'm Dr. Gina Fernandez, I just joined the practice not too long ago, uh, I work in DHMC so I might have seen some of you around. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming to our lecture today and hope we'll get a good session today and learn a lot about osteoporosis, <coughs> or at least some of it. Um, we're being joined by our co- our friends from Caverhill, so they're uh, we're being broadcasted, and some people in the home too can listen to us. So to all of you out there, thank you for joining us. So our topic for today is about osteoporosis. I get a lot of questions with this topic among my patients, so I thought it would be a good idea to give a talk on this. So. Before we go on into some of uh, our main lecture today, let's get just get a short review of what really osteoporosis is. So when we're saying osteoporosis and you read this in your test results, what does this really mean? So osteoporosis is actually a medical condition where the bones get weak or fragile and they're more likely to break easily. So you can see in the You can see my pointer. So this is what a normal bone will look like. But as we age or when we're exposed to certain risk factors, later on, your bone becomes less dense and they become more porous and they become more fragile and they can break easily. Now you also get in your test reports, you'll also get a term called osteopenia. So when we're saying osteopenia, it is not as bad as osteoporosis. It refers to a condition where your bone mineral density is actually lower than the normal, but has not reached the threshold for osteoporosis. Many doctors or providers believe that it's actually a precursor of osteoporosis, but the caveat to this is not every person who has osteopenia will develop osteoporosis. So you could see here, uh, this is actually uh, your bone mineral density results and this is how they classify a person as having normal bone density versus one who has a slightly decreased bone density which they term as osteopenia. And those with a score of less than 2.5 is uh, (coughs) what they call uh, osteoporosis. So this graph will actually show you uh, the changes in your bone mass over time. So you see your bone is a living tissue that is in constant state of regeneration. Uh, There is a process in your body that uh, removes old bone, which we call bone resorption, and one that replaces it with new bone new bone, which we call bone formation. So by our mid-30s, however, your bone formation gets less and less, and then you eventually end up uh, losing more <coughs> bone that it can be replaced. So your bones become thinner and weaker. When females hit menopause, the bone loss occurs at a rate of about 5%. So you'll see that a uh, sharp decline there at the age of around 50 um There are also lifestyle factors such as the amount of exercise you do, your nutrition, the amount of calcium and vitamin D that will affect your bone loss over the years. What is the effect? When you're when you're losing bones uh, bone mass then you become your bones become more fragile so you you end up getting <coughs> fractures. So that's what happens. Easy you shouldn't fall down. Sorry? It
1: breaks easily, so
0: you shouldn't fall down. Yes. That's one, actually, one of the things that you can do to prevent the fracture you know, when your bones are already weak, you don't want to get accidents and you, you try not to fall down. <coughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So, I thought I'd put in this slide just to, just to show you how bad osteoporosis is already across the U.S. So this is a study done by the National Osteoporosis Foundation. And then they found out that in 2002, there was, they had projected about 10 million Americans who have osteoporosis. And by 2010, it's about 12 million. And you're thinking <coughs> but that 10 years down the line, we're even going to have more people with osteoporosis and as you can see in this slide this just shows you that this is the burden of illness comparing it to the other uh, illness that is associated with uh, females or aging uh, you can see that actually we have more problems with people getting osteoporotic fractures as a whole as compared to females getting heart attacks getting strokes and getting breast cancer So. Despite this knowledge that we have right now, you can see that in two thousand and eight, only about twenty two percent of the Medicare of patients under Medicare who had the fractures actually received treatment for osteoporosis. So not many people are getting treated for this condition and yet a lot of people are ending up getting hip fractures, getting hospitalized, getting transferred to the nursing home, and overall their quality of life has it eventually, you know, it's not as good. So on top of that, only 35% of adults in America actually receive the daily recommended value of calcium. So we'll review this later on, okay? So now this is the main uh, gist of our lecture today, so I'll ask you to participate so that we'll, we'll try to make this as informal as we can. So the first question is actually, or statement, and you can tell me whether it's true or false. Osteoporosis is only a problem of older Caucasian women. Mm -hmm. False, good, good. So the number of women who's actually 50 years of age and over with osteoporosis right now is about 4.5 million. But there are also uh, male individuals who are affected with this disease although much less, uh, about close to a million. And although Caucasians and Asians are at highest risk for osteoporosis, even blacks and Hispanics are also getting the disease. Okay. Osteoporosis is painful. No.
2: No. Mm, very good.
0: Though I've had some of my patients complain that you know they hurt but they have osteoporosis. So osteoporosis is actually what they call a silent disease. So it doesn't uh, have symptoms. It is when you actually break a bone, and that's how people find out actually that they have osteoporosis that uh, uh, that can cause the pain. It's not the weak bones, but when you fracture, that's what causes the pain and that can also lead to your long-term disability. So what about this? If you drink a lot of milk and exercise, you are not at risk. Yes. False.
2: So we have... Not
0: as
3: much of it. Not as much. Well, that's true,
0: because there are risk factors that is already inherent in you, Mm -hmm. that no matter what you do, you cannot change. However, So what are these risk factors first? These risk factors that are inherent in you that you cannot change. So this include your gender, being female more than male makes you at risk already to begin with of having osteoporosis. Um, Your age, your body frame. So if you're small and thin, you're at a higher risk as compared to those who are more large frame or who are uh, tending towards obesity. Who are husky. (laughs) (laughs) you okay. <laughs> it? no, said thin no, thin and small frame so if you are small framed and thin you are more like you <laughs> you are probably going to be more at risk for osteoporosis than someone who is on the heavier side oh. or obese Yeah,
2: but I thought the obese is bad for your backbone because you know you carry your old belly and so.
0: Yes, it is bad for your arthritis, but somehow they found out that uh, people who are obese or or, who, who tend to be on the heavier side have actually better bone scores. And we don't necessarily know the explanation for this. It's just what they're finding out. But it doesn't mean that It's good to be (laughs) overweight as (laughs) well. Okay. So another risk factor that you cannot change is, of course, your ethnicity. And I have heard this comment earlier about family history. So osteoporosis tends to run in the family. Okay. So if a family member, like your mom or sister, Mm -hmm. has osteoporosis or breaks a bone, Mm -hmm. then there's a greater likelihood or chance for you Mm -hmm. to get it. Now what are other risk factors that might be modifiable? As she said, you know, it's it's it depends, you know. You while you do have risk factors, there are certain things that you can improve so you can lessen that risk. So you other risk factors that make you prone to having osteoporosis is a diet that is low in calcium and vitamin D. Medication use, including, you know, a lot of people are using steroids for one Reason or the other, like if you have chronic arthritis, your rheumatologist might put you on steroids. If you have pulmonary problems like COPD, you might be on prolonged steroids. So that can cause your bones to become weak. So another common risk factor is people who are um, on prolonged bed rest or who are mostly immobile. They have also an increased risk for developing weak bones. Smoking is also a very strong risk factor for osteoporosis as well as drinking alcohol. Now anorexia nervosa is actually an eating disorder. It's not commonly found among adults, more towards the younger age group, but it, they have found out that that can also cause uh, osteoporosis. Now okay, What about this? The osteoporosis test is painful and exposes you to a lot of radiation. False. False. Very good. So the osteoporosis test is actually what you call DEXA or dual um, x-ray absorptometry. So it's also known as your bone mineral density test. So it is quick and painless. Most of you who've had it know that it only takes about five to ten minutes. The actual wait time to have it done is possibly longer (laughs) than the actual test itself. And the amount of radiation you get is actually very small. It's actually even smaller than getting a routine chest x-ray. And for people who travel a lot, you're even 10 to 15 times more, uh, getting more radiation with a flight from San Francisco to New York than the actual radiation you get from uh, bone density. So it's really something that I think I have patients who are very worried about the radiation they're getting when they're getting the bone density. I think it's a good, I think they really should talk to their provider and discuss having this test done. Uh, your Medicare will cover it every two years. Uh, Especially when you're on treatment for osteoporosis. So that shouldn't, uh, your fear of the test shouldn't hinder you from getting tested. Okay, now, what about this? There are measures to treat osteoporosis. So once you have it, can you treat it?
2: Yes. Yes. Okay,
0: that's good. So. These are the treatment ost- uh, options for osteoporosis. So it includes a balanced diet, a balanced diet which is rich in calcium and vitamin D, an exercise plan that should include weight-bearing activities, uh, a healthy lifestyle, and some individuals they get treated with medications. Like you've seen, uh, people taking Fosamax, Reclast, the bisphos they call them bisphosphonates. So these are actual uh, medications that are used to treat osteoporosis. Even though they don't work all the time, though?
3: So they, they do not work all the time. They don't,
0: but there are other second-line options. Okay. So you've seen in the um, commercials lately this injectable medication called Prolia or Denosumab. So that's a newer agent that they're using now to treat osteoporosis. Uh, there is also a parathyroid hormone that uh, they're using to treat osteoporosis right now.
3: Well, let me ask you a question. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Mm-hmm.
0: Or like, when a person
3: takes medication, mm-hmm. if it isn't working, how can the doctors, like I have an aunt, she took Fosamex for 18 years. Wow. For 18 years she took the Fosamax. She's fall, She had fallen twice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now she's 87, now she's, they t- finally they took the Phosphamix away, <laughs> yes. and now they're giving her injections every six months, oh. so the Phosphamix didn't do a thing for her. So, so
2: those injections, uh, is that a good thing, the injections? Yeah. I heard so about that too. To I heard about the injections. Is yeah. that a good
0: thing? Yeah, point? so some of these medications, so uh, we don't know whether Actually, for your aunt, we don't know whether the Fosamax worked or not. The only obviously way obviously didn't because
3: she broke her hip. Well so that doesn't
0: this, see. That's the this cla- that's the I clarification think. that we will need to do. So it doesn't mean that just because you're taking this medication, or even now that she's taking the injectables, yeah, that she will fosum, not sorry. break the bone. So you that's the,
3: the like chief for. 18 years she took it, and maybe three or four years ago yeah.
2: well, she broke her hip. To yeah, me. that happened to my mom too. To me, the brain
3: broke her hip. Mm-hmm. Obviously, didn't do a thing for you. Right. But that's
0: why they do the testing, the bone density, every two years to know whether the medication is, is working, working or not. So that should tell, okay? Yeah. I, I, they
3: put me on medication a year ago, mm-hmm,
0: it's mm-hmm. only
3: one pill. A week, but I hate to take it. I didn't want to <laughs> take it mm-hmm. but, I mean I have it this time. Yeah, yeah. Know, a Sample right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm an, and I'm I'm anxious to have my mm-hmm. density test done again because yeah. if it isn't working, why yes. take it?
0: So mm-hmm. don't. Uh, the recommendation actually is to have it tested every two to three years. Testing it too early, you won't get good data, and you might just be discouraged. Yeah. because the uh, the medications that we use to treat osteoporosis actually has a long half-life means it takes a while for it to take effect, but when it does take effect, it takes years to get rid of it in your body. So that's why the recommendations is you know they we test every two to three years. We can't it's going to be useless and pointless testing every year. No I, I, no, I agree yeah. with that, but obviously,
3: after two years or mm-hmm. three years, I should have yeah. the density yes. to, to see if the medication is working. Correct. Because I hate to take the medication. Can I say something right? about
2: medications? I was on the estrogen medication mm-hmm. for breast, and then I got breast cancer, mm-hmm. and the doctor took told me to go off the estrogen because mm-hmm. it could spread the bre- breast cancer. Yes. So he told me not, they took it off it when yeah. I got breast cancer. So actually
0: that was one of the earlier treatments we had for osteoporosis estrogen. was to replace was the that. estrogen because of the belief that when you're losing the estrogen when you hit mm-hmm. menopause the bone loss gets faster. But unfortunately there were females who developed the breast cancer. Yeah. So that's what happened to you. Yeah. so
2: how do you decide the risk factors basis bas versus whether it's going to be effective or not, because mm-hmm. you know, probably many of us have been advised to take medication, but then what is the risk of it?
0: So there's actually that's a very good question, and we will break for a while and talk about this oh, okay. because um, there is actually when you talk to your providers, and there is actually a risk assessment tool that we use, or you can even use, you can even access it online, but I wouldn't do this, you know, uh, without uh, talking about it with your provider or doctor. It's called the FRAX tool, so it's F-R-A-X. So it's in um, in the WHO website, the World Health Organization website. Is this risk for osteoporosis or risk Risk for these medications? No, it's risk for developing a fracture. Oh, okay. When you have osteoporosis. Oh, okay. So that will we use it as a guide uh, to to tell us which uh, population of patients will benefit more from treating the osteoporosis with these medications rather than, you know, not. It depends upon your risk factors, it depends upon your gender, it depends upon your bone density score. So there's a lot of, and they they will come up with a score that will tell us, okay, so you probably have 20% risk of developing a fracture in 10 years. So if that score is very, if that percentage is high, then it might be worth it putting you on the treatment or not. Now, unfortunately at present, we don't have the same tool to gauge who will develop side effects, like when you're in terms of your question about medication treatment. We don't have that same tool, but at least with this, it can may help you get an informed judgment as to do you really want to take this medication or not. Given the the known side effects of this mm-hmm. medication, sometimes though, if you look at, if you think about it, the side effects that occur with the medications that you're taking is very minimal compared to the uh, risk of you developing a fracture and you know ending up disabled. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the risk factor, the uh, incidence of getting side effects at say for instance is about 1 to 2%. But your risk is higher of developing a fracture you get about 10% risk. So I think if you're weighing things then there might be benefit for you to be treated. That said, I do agree with her that for you to know whether it's, it's working, working or not, you need to get your bone density retested. Every two years, two to three years? Every, every two to three years would be the recommendation. And if it's not working, then they might switch you to another agent, <coughs> which is what, you know, the injectables or a parathyroid hormone.
3: Yeah, but I don't want them to do that after 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the That's what I mean, like what yeah. happened to my aunt. Yeah. Obviously, no one was keeping track of it. Mm-hmm. She fell twice, broke her hip. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then now, all of a sudden, they <laughs> take it after eighteen years, and they switch to injection.
0: We'll go back to that treatment later and because how, mm-hmm.
3: how when you you are regular check up by the doctor regularly? I do know I think about once a year, before what five year and then three year and now about once a year, they check me out yeah. and do you think they also check about the? Uh,
0: the bone density they will check about every two, two, seems, three two to three years. Oh, they do that because of the,
1: mm-hmm. they they so check So it's not
0: it. a waste of money, in other words, if they if they say it, have a referral for you to get a Texas scan. I don't think so because okay. I've, as I said as I as I've already shown you, uh, the uh there is actually the the number of osteoporosis is actually rising and. The number of patients getting admitted for hip fractures and getting hospitalized is also rising. So the cost of care associated with somebody who's, who ends up getting a hip fracture is actually tremendously higher than if you just took uh, one bone density test. Okay. So here, so with regards to the treatment options, so here's more about calcium. So some people believe that the more calcium you take, the better it is in preventing or treating osteoporosis. No, no. I mm-hmm. False. Why do you think it's false? Because the bone Well, you could deep take deep too much.
2: If you yes. take too the much, newborn. then it wouldn't be good either. So but why
0: yeah. is it that good? Too, too, too is too that in supplements
1: or the real food? Either
0: way. Like if you body. have too much calcium in your body, that's also not good. Uh, yeah. even yeah. then so this is your daily calcium requirement. So for most adults mm-hmm. under the age of fifty, your calcium requirement is about a thousand milligrams per per day. But if you know for Women, more than 50, and men over the age of 70. It's about 1,200 milligrams per day. 1,000 to 200? No, 1,200.
2: Oh, 1,200? Uh, 1, 200, yes. How
0: no, about more so than 70? More than 70. It's still the same. 1, you don't go beyond 1,200 milligrams per day. So that's the maximum dose. How? What's the maximum dose? 1,200 milligrams per and day. One time they had me at 1,500
3: so yeah, this is
0: just, took it up, he took it away though I'm not, they yes. brought it down yeah, because there that. are <laughs> newer studies <laughs> yeah. that are coming out that actually people who take more calcium Plus. than they should have other problems mm-hmm. associated with it Like they are finding association with heart problems heart disease so they're saying that too much of too much of uh, taking calcium is also not a good thing. Yeah, that's okay. so right. Besides, they didn't see any additional benefit in people who are taking more than 1,200 milligrams per day. So that's where they said uh, taking 1,200 milligrams per day should be fine. OK. But has
1: there been anything demonstrated on the effects of calcium that actually is naturally in the food? and um, what's the word they use? Fortified. Fortified. Fortified foods and supplements.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Or doesn't
1: it matter where it comes from?
0: I personally think it doesn't matter so long as you meet your uh, uh, RDA, your daily requirement, that should be fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is why I put in this slide here to to show you, and I'm sorry, the the font are a little bit small, but this is actually how much calcium you are taking in certain Mm -hmm. foods. For instance, your low-fat milk has the highest. It's about one glass, which is about maybe this size of a glass, 250 ml, is about uh, 300 milligrams of calcium. So if you can track how much calcium you're taking in your diet and you're able to come up with 1,200 milligrams, then you should be fine. The problem is no matter how much you try getting up to 1,200 milligrams, it's difficult because a lot of people also have dietary restrictions. Like not many people can take milk. Uh, Not many people can take um, Cheese. So apart from this, there's also greens that are very high in calcium. So kale is a very, uh, is a, one of the vegetables that actually has a high. Kale? Did you kale? say yes. Ka- kale. kale? Yes, kale Yes. It's pretty It's not listed here, but it's close to, I think, 150
2: milligrams. So if someone took just the calcium tablets, And not the food that has
0: the. Would that be just as good? Yes, it would be just as good. It will be that as good. But some people like taking less pills. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: So I don't know. Some I don't know if most of you are. Most of you will probably be familiar with the size of the calcium pills. They're quite huge, Mm -hmm. so it's quite difficult to swallow for some individuals. So they really are not uh, comfortable taking those calcium pills.
2: Because I was taking uh, three calcium calcium tablets a day, Mm -hmm. and then my doctor told me,
0: oh you just take one. That's good enough, you just take one. Yeah, because they're assuming, and we are assuming that half of it you can supplement with the diet, Mm -hmm. okay? But the thing Mm -hmm. to remember when you're supplementing yourself with calcium through your diet, you don't get vitamin D with this, okay? So, and vitamin D is important as well in making sure you're absorbing your calcium and also in your in your bone health. So at the end of the day, you still might need to take a pill. Vitamin D pill, yeah. A vitamin That's D pill I or do. a calcium vitamin with D. vitamin
2: D. I take vitamin D, yeah. Do you recommend um, having a blood test to find out what your uptake of calcium is? like we do for vitamin D, but is there one for calcium as well?
0: When you're going for your routine blood checks, mm-hmm. your doctor actually checks also for your calcium. Oh, okay. Uh, it's part of your... It's part routine. of the CBC? Mm-hmm. No, it's part of the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Do
1: you know how many milligrams is in an international unit? Uh Because
0: they always, in the supplement... Uh, but write calcium and IU. D. So usually calcium is reported in uh, milligrams, and the IU is actually for vitamin D, um, okay, so which did, will be the next one. Are you
2: going to be giving us some handouts that explain, that tells what the calcium content it is in all the food, and are you,
0: do you have I, any handouts you can give us? I could certainly ask them to give
2: you a print, you know, leave what
0: a print out. Oh, that would you be know. good, yeah, yeah. that would be helpful. So in relation to the question about vitamin D, so you get enough sun exposure. So I get this a lot. I go to Florida, I get enough sun exposure, so why do I need to take vitamin D? Is it true or false? False. False. Very good. So even though you get a lot of sun exposure, you still can have low vitamin D levels because there are certain disease conditions that make you prone to have low vitamin D levels. For example, if you have some malabsorption problems, you're not absorbing enough of that vitamin D in your GI tract. If you have chronic kidney problems, you're probably not getting enough of the vitamin D as well. So it sometimes it you know you you would still need to most of the times you still need to take your vitamin D. Supplements, and this is the daily uh, requirement that's suggested right now. It's about 800 to 1,000 international units for those who are age 50 and older. So, this is based on the recommendations by the National Osteoporosis Foundation. There are other uh, societies which will say a different vitamin D requirement. I tend towards these recommendations. Okay, now. Depending on what your level of vitamin D is, and some of your providers might be checking vitamin D levels, they might give you a higher dose. We sometimes treat it with as much as 50,000 units, international units of vitamin D every week for eight weeks to replenish your vitamin D stores. Because some individuals have vitamin D levels that's actually less than... uh, less than normal, which is 30. So when you're getting your blood test results, they check vitamin D, you want that level to be at least 30 uh, nanograms per ml. So if it's less than 30, and then again, I'm not saying about 29 or 28. I'm talking about people getting levels of 18 or 8. And they have, we have people who have these very low levels. They need to re- be, their stores of vitamin D need to be replenished. So they need to take a higher dose of vitamin D before they can go on to the supplementing it. So they need to be treated for a period of time with higher doses of vitamin D. Can you take too much vitamin D? The ha- that's a good question. And actually, because this is a fairly uh, new, nucleic- like, we're we're just starting giving vitamin D for the past five or ten years. We really haven't had um, gotten to a maximal, maximum maximum okay. dose yet. <coughs> not established. Yeah, it's not established. Okay. But there is what we have found out. This is the safety profile is actually very large. So given fifty thousand units, you can imagine eight hundred to fifty thousand units. <laughs> That's a whole lot of difference. And people who got 50,000 in units so far has not shown any toxicity with it. Okay, mm-hmm. So, so far, we don't have an upper limit. We'll, we don't go beyond 50,000 units, however. okay, And that's not 50,000 units not every day. That's 50,000 units a week. So each week, it's not a daily dose of vitamin. Okay, so the best thing is really to discuss it with your doctor and provider how much vitamin D supplement should be taking. And they can check your vitamin D levels and see if your levels are appropriate. If your levels are more than 30, then you'll only likely need 800 to 1,000 units a day. Okay. So these are the medications that are commonly seen that we, you know, we treat, uh, with, with osteoporosis so there is Boniva, there is your Actonel, this is the parathyroid hormone which is Forteo and this is the newest one in the market which you see uh, in the commercials nowadays it's Prolia or Denosumab so this is an immune um, it's a, it, it works in your immune system it's an modulator. So, and this is the common questions that I get. I'm taking a medication. I'm reading all the side effects. I see pictures in the internet of a bad jaw problem. So I don't want to take it. So obviously we know that, you know, there are side effects, but do you, uh, treating your osteoporosis is not actually dangerous. It might be beneficial for you in the long run. So so there are three classes, so bisphosphonates, that's what you call the, this is the first line of treatment, and this is what most people are on. So this is the Fosamax, the Actonel, and the Boniva. So most of the side effects associated with this is uh, GI side effects. So you get a lot of stomach upsets, it's also sometimes inconvenient for some people to take this because you have to take this on an empty stomach uh, and stand for a for at least 20 minutes to prevent you from having um, reflux, which can cause the irritation in your stomach. So some people who cannot stand for 20 minutes uh, are cannot be upright for 20 minutes, not even just, you know, being upright is fine, but some people already are, are having difficulty with it. So it's already a challenge for us to give this medication. So for people who are not tolerating the oral form of bisphosphonates because they're getting too much reflux or getting too much acid in their stomach, we have the option of giving the IV form, which is reclassed. So some of the you or might be, you know, getting this once a year through um, an infusion. So it's also a bisphosphonate, and it works the same way as the oral medication.
3: But isn't there a limit to the IV? How many years you should be taking it?
0: So generally, that's a good question. So generally, the thought to this was years ago they gave these types of medication, you know, for a long period of time, like a, your aunt, who had it for 18 years. But right now, and thank you for <laughs> reminding me, uh, uh, right now the current thought uh, to this is actually, we might not even treat you for longer than five years. So what you see some doctors are doing nowadays is to treat you for five years, stop the medication, and put you on what they call a drug holiday, meaning a period wherein you're not gonna take the medications and recheck your bone density every two years, make sure it's not declining. Okay. Now, when if you decline, then that's when they restart the medications. But the thought to that is that they're finding out that these medications are actually lingering in your bone for years, so you really don't need to be treated. For, uh, in some individuals, they linger in the bone for years, so they really don't need more than five years of treatment. Uh, what, what they need is just to, you know, we just monitor them and see whether they need to be retreated or not. The problem with these medications nowadays is when you're taking this, they've also found out that while they're preventing you from having hip fractures and fractures in your spine, you are also more likely to break other, other bones in your body, which is what they call the non-osteoporotic fractures. So you can have fractures in your long bones, for instance. So that's why they're hesitating now, giving these medications for a long period of time.
2: My mother had osteoporosis, and her bones were like falling on top of each other. They were fall, She mm-hmm. was very hunched over. Her bones were really spine, falling no? on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's and She finally broke her hip, fell down the stairs, and broke her hip. Yeah, so those are osteoporotic fractures. Yeah.
0: But, yes? For the reclass, mm-hmm. you can have it as many as five times, five years? What do you mean five, once a year for five years? Yes, because I heard that maybe there's a limit mm-hmm. to two years, but that's not true. Well, I'm not sure about the limit in terms of Five years, years. two years, I think. This is the last time holding off Mm -hmm. because this is more potent than the oral medications. Mm -hmm. Fosamax (coughs) is terrible. Fosamax, you'll have to take this weekly, uh, the Boniva monthly, so it's a little bit more convenient to take the Boniva. But they all have the same side effects, Mm -hmm. some more than the others. Like, you know, most of the common side effects is. GI symptoms, very bad reflux and acid. Oh, I have that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've
1: read about studies that showed the um, the Fosamax-like drugs um, did increase bone density, but that the incidence of fracture didn't go down.
0: Yes, that's why, and mm-hmm. not because the incidence of osteoporotic fractures. Did go down, but wow. the fractures of non-osteoporotic fractures, which made means, up yeah. so uh, went up. So that's yeah. why they're saying, is it really worth giving the Fosamax longer than five years? J- J- so J- Maybe you will, you know, maybe if five years is enough of a treatment, and what you do is stop it. Stop it at five years, and this is what some doctors do. They stop it after five years because of this findings that came out that Mm -hmm. uh, they're noticing more fractures. Did
1: the fractures of Mm non-osteoporotic bone happen after five years usually?
0: Yes. They did. I see. That's why they said like maybe five years is enough. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's still not clear, so some people are still giving it uh, longer than five years. So we're still in that gray zone. So you should have a, a DEXA scan when you're on treatment.
1: How
0: long? You should have a DEXA scan at least every two to three years to see whether the treatment is yep. working or not. Certainly mm-hmm. after the five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. If they're considering stopping the treatment at five, I normally check in at five and then so that we have a baseline where we are and then mm-hmm. two to three years down the road repeat it and see if you're going down or not. Then we might think uh, of putting you back on this agent, or maybe choosing another agent, the such as Prolia.
2: Okay. So Forteo,
0: most that's of this is, that's why you see that this about is also uh, injectable. I don't see a lot of patients taking Forteo. It's a parathyroid hormone, uh, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and also, and this is the Prolia which you'll see a lot of people are getting. You know, they're getting uh, that's this. Twi- that's twice a year. Isn't it? That's twice a year, every six months, and the most common side effect that is associated with Prolia, It's not really a coma. I should. Uh, not use the third common, the worst side effects. So if you're if the bisphosphonates you're worried about jaw necro, j- jaw necrosis, which means a very bad um, you know uh, thinning of your jaw bone, they become necrotic and they become infected. It's if you've seen pictures of it, that's why people are scared uh, about jaw necrosis. Of um, that's the most common, the more uh, the worst side effects in bisphosphonates people taking Prolia, they have found out that some of them do have spontaneous thigh fracture. So their thigh bone, uh, so some of these patients, they get injected, they get very bad thigh pain, leg, you know, the thigh pain, and they get x-rayed, and for some reason they, found out, they find that there's a fracture. Hmm. So this is what I was trying to explain that while these medications are good in preventing osteoporotic fractures, which is also disabling hip fractures, spine fractures. If you're taking it, um, there's also they're finding out that it doesn't really help in terms of non-osteoporotic fractures, which are your long bone fractures. So you're kind of like, should I take this or not? So it really depends upon your risk factors, your level of activity, your level, your lifestyle. It by the way, it doesn't mean as well that even though you're taking this medications, doesn't mean that you're not gonna take your calcium and vitamin D. You still need your calcium and vitamin D. Uh, you still need to take those every day, okay? And you still need to exercise. Ideally, you should be exercising. Taking this medication only uh, three Oh, helps, but you also need exercise, you need your vitamin D, you need your calcium.
2: My doctor told me that walking is a good prevention for osteoporosis. Walking, walking. is good
0: because it's weight-bearing. Right. Swimming, on the other hand, because it's not weight-bearing. While it is good exercise, it's a good cardio exercise, it's not good for osteoporosis. So then your... Th- my doctor says walking is not a weight-bearing exercise. Well, some. Hmm.
2: But I'm Depends- thinking, if I walk, move this right along. Yeah, you might. But you said <play> something <laughs> you know, So you feel like it is uh, weight.
0: Yeah. I well, mean, depending I, on what type of walk walking walk. you do, you're not leisurely, no. and it's not like a short distance of no. a no. walk. No. No. So well, walking, when running, w- Okay. brisk walking, running, anything. you know. Uh, swimming, though, is not. Clearly, it's not a weight-bearing exercise. Uh, and
2: riding a bicycle wouldn't be weight-bearing, would it? I don't
0: think you know it's mm-hmm. going to be qualified yeah. as weight-bearing. Lifting weights would be weight-bearing. Lifting. Lifting weights, weights yeah. will be weight-bearing, but be careful as well when you're lifting weights. Mm-hmm. You're not going to uh, lift weights that are too heavy, yeah. because remember, if your bones are weak if you lift heavy weights then your spine you know you can Mm -hmm. cause Mm -hmm. compression fractures. Mm -hmm. Um, Bone builders, mm -hmm. the exercise program that uh, I think AARP has bone builders exercise, that's a good form of exercise. It's called bone builders? Bone builders. And we can find it on? The AARP and I've heard actually from one of my patients, that uh, they actually have several sites around the area that
1: you would go to.
0: That you would family. go to. Okay. And they meet as a group. Mm-hmm. They have, I think, a trainer. Mm-hmm. Much as you learn from us, we learn from you as well, our patients. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do they charge for that? Do they charge for that? Or I'm not sure mm-hmm. though. But I think it falls if it falls under ARP, they shouldn't be charging for mm. that. So is it true if you develop your muscles too that they help to p- protect yes. so the bones that falls into the category of fall prevention. So when you're developing your muscles you're strengthening not that it protects your bones, but it strengthens your Lower extremities, your upper extremities, it improves your balance overall, so it lessens the risk of you falling and getting a fracture.
1: Also, I've heard if you do the walking sticks, mm-hmm. it helps you uh, with
2: better upper. Too.
0: Yes, those walking things? sticks. Hmm. I've
2: never heard of that. Like skis uh, like skee- skee- oh, skee- or skee-
0: like even sitting and standing exercises because you're using a lot of your upper extremity, so some of the exercises actually you, uh, people just get grab a chair and then sit and you know go down up down up that helps already in strengthening your lower and upper muscles so you get good balance. Not that it protects your bone, but it gives the exercise actually trains you. To strengthen the muscles, so you don't fall, you have better balance. Okay. So some people also, in, with regards to your question, you also see these ads about hip protectors. They wear them to protect them from getting hip fractures. So there's still not good evidence to say that it really works. <laughs> okay. So just in summary, and we can have more time for question and answer if you would want it. So these are just the points to remember. So make sure there is enough calcium and vitamin D in your diet. That's the first and foremost thing. So whether you're falling into the class of osteopenia or osteoporosis, make sure you're getting enough calcium and vitamin D. Okay? And do the weight-bearing exercises. Mm-hmm. They're suggesting the suggestion is at least three times a week, twenty minutes each day, is a good amount of exercise. And then change your lifestyle choices. So if you're a smoker, it's not all. It's not too late to quit smoking. It's never too late. Okay, uh, you can limit your alcohol intake. Even caffeine for those who are strong caffeine drinkers, take four or five cups a day. It's it's also they have been they have found out that it's also not good for bone health. So limit the caffeine, limit the smoking, limit the alcohol, and implement strategies to help decrease your risk for falling. So when we send you to balance classes, we're actually wanting you not to fall, you know, hope we're hoping that you're not going to fall. So that you don't get fractures and always don't believe everything you read <laughs> even the drug inserts
2: <laughs> oh,
1: if you if believe those you would never take another pill in exactly. your life
0: <laughs> i always tell my patients if you have questions about what you read or what you find in the internet always discuss it with your provider rather than just taking it upon yourselves to stop the medications or deciding that you're not going to go for treatment. And it it, it just sometimes, you know, everything has their side effects. Everything will have their risk and their benefits. So we try to tailor it to you and to what your goals of care are. So that's actually just my last slide. So consult with your provider before saying no. And if you haven't had a bone density test, depends on what your you know where you are or what your medical conditions are you might want to discuss with your provider about getting one and discussing about treatment or if you're not inclined to getting the treatment because of the side effects at least make sure you get enough calcium and vitamin D in your diet okay you have any other questions yes um,
1: my doctor suggested that um, there, there's some evidence that an animal-based diet, by making your body more acid, mm-hmm. contributes to osteoporosis. And she asked me to go on as plant-based a diet as mm-hmm. I could stand, mm-hmm. and I did. And in, for, I did it for two years, and at my next DEXA scan, the, the number, whatever that yes. number is, instead of declining again, had gone flat. And what I'm wondering is, is it possible by lifestyle changes to reverse osteoporosis? You, no. Once you're down to a number, you're not going up again?
0: You can halt it. Mm-hmm. So, see if I can go back to that slide, that chart. So, osteoporosis or bone loss, you cannot alter. The course basically, as you age, as we all we are all going to age, mm-hmm. your bone, your body will produce less bone, no matter what you do. But what happens is sometimes you have lifestyle risk factor You have lifestyle factors, mm-hmm. like smoking, alcohol, uh, that hastens this. Mm-hmm. You know that. But what you can do if you stop it, then maybe you can halt it a little bit or slow it. Mm-hmm. Which is possibly why your bone density became stable when you reverse that. It, has there been any? It's not gonna. It's not. I. It's you can't reverse.
1: Is there any work being done systematically? You know, double-blind tests and all uh-huh. to check that plant-based diet
0: idea yes. out. there are a lot of clamor for it. Uh-huh. With the, with the plant-based diet, there is a lot. There's actually a lot of uh, research going on right now with Mediterranean diets. Mm-hmm. There was a big study, actually, that came out.
2: What is a plant diet? Is that when you don't eat meat? No meat. No meat, no meat or chicken or anything like that? Um, no, no animal foods. No. Oh, basically. so no fish, no chicken, no, no meat. Just, fish, just uh, vegetables. Vegetables. vegetables? Fruits, Fruits, no beans. and legumes. Yeah, things
0: like that some uh, uh, do, they have, they vary in terms of what, how, how strict, how strict mm-hmm. do they, go in terms of plant-based diet. Some people don't eat, dairy is included in the plant-based. That if you're strictly plant-based, then some people don't include the dairy. So again, but be careful before going into this diet regimens, discuss it with your doctor or provider, because not everybody is going to be the best candidate for this plant-based diet, okay? So, and this is, I, I think, what you were also alluding to is, see, osteopenia is something that happens with normal aging, so your bone will, you will have bone loss as you age but not all of you will get the osteoporosis. So in in a way you can halt it, but it's a process that you cannot reverse. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I have one more little yeah, question. sure. What is the unit that they're measuring when they give you the number from your DEXA scan?
0: What do you mean, what's the unit? Well, if your number the is score? two points, the score. The what, score. What is the
1: unit of measurement?
0: So they're actually, it's a very, it's a tough question to answer because they go by standard deviations. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's also slightly, somehow, it's objective, but it's also being read by a radiologist or an endocrinologist who, mm-hmm. who's trained to read DEXA scans. So, when they first came up with this course, there's actually. So, you will note that in your report, there is a T score and a Z score. So, the T score is uh, across all populations, and the Z score is actually more related with age. So, they go by standard deviation. So, there is not exactly a unit, but they, they compare it based on what the norm is. I see. Yeah. And this numbers here so this is the result so when you're looking at your test bone density result so 0 to -1 means you have normal bone density so you're within a standard deviation yes yep. so this is when you see that score so 0 to -1 is actually your bone density score and that means you're normal so more than you see more than 1 is normal now osteopenia is when you get minus one to minus 2.5. So some people will have a score of minus 2.4, and some doctors will treat this as osteoporosis because it's so close Mm -hmm. to the border. And then definitely if your score is less than minus 2.5, Then you have osteoporosis. Okay, let's. Do you have questions? No. Okay. Okay, then. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you.